So let's pray right now. Father God, we come before you right now, and we just put this evening in your hands. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts that have so freely already been shared. We thank you, Father, for the gift of praise, for the gift of prayer, for the gift of fellowship, for the gift of breaking bread together. Father, I thank you that this is the Acts Church coming to life right in front of our eyes. And we just thank you for being a part of it. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. And Father God, I especially pray right now that as we come together, celebrating this this worldly holiday called Valentine's Day, Father, that it's so much more. Because right now, Father, we pray that your love will be revealed more deeply to our hearts. Your love, revelation of who you are, revelation of your love, and especially of your compassion, Father God would be revealed to us. And Father, right now, we just give you ours. We give you our love from the very bottom of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind, our entire being. Father, we declare our love for you. May you be blessed. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm really, really excited to be here. Thank you very much, Jerry and my husband and Pat for inviting me to be here tonight. And I am, you know, when, when Kent, actually Kent's my husband, is part of the full gospel um, um, partnership, and so he talked to me about speaking on Valentine's. I said, but nobody's going to come on Valentine's. They're all going to be with their Valentine's. Look at you. And you know what I said? The other thing I said is the people that are here, I know, are going to be the ones that just love God so much. But that's where they want to be on Valentine's. They want to be in a place where they're, first of all, seeking God with the, the person or the people that they love. So this is a really awesome evening to be able to be with you. I'm going to be sharing a lot of testimonies t- tonight. I'm going to be sharing part of my own testimony, and I'm, I just want to, to bring God alive to you. He's already in your heart. God's invisible. He's invisible. Jesus was the visible uh, being that showed us who God is. But we have never seen Jesus. At least I haven't. I'm going to. I'm going to. But at this point, I haven't. But what I have seen, what I have seen is his work being manifest in my own life, in the lives of so many others. His love just coming alive in the lives of the people that I know for myself. That's what I'm going to be sharing tonight, the love of God and the compassion of Christ. I would like to share, I would like to share a little bit about the compassion of Jesus. Sorry. Okay. About the compassion of Jesus. It was a characteristic of our Jesus, his compassion. And that compassion That compassion of Jesus was the very deepest part of his love. Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, the Son of God. His compassion was from the depth of the heart of God. But it wasn't just a heart compassion. It was an action. When Jesus was filled with compassion, he took action. He accessed the hand of God 
through the heart of God. That's what we do. That's what Jerry was talking about earlier, about reaching out and saying to that disease, talking to those people, laying hands on those people that have need. That's what we're doing. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with the compassion of Christ in us. It has to do with accessing the precious hand of God through that compassion. But Jesus had this amazing, amazing compassion. I did a, a word search in the New Testament, and that word is only used 12 times. That word, compassion, is often um, translated as tender mercy and the word pity. It's used 12 times. Nine of the 12 times, it specifically talks about Jesus having compassion and moving in compassion. In a few of the others, it's used in a parable that Jesus was telling. The first, the first um, action that I want to talk about, the action of compassion, is Jesus' heart to save. Jesus' heart to save those who are lost. I'm going to share just a couple scriptures, and then I'm going to share my testimony. The first one is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. This is the same scripture out of the Message Bible. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. <coughs> when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. Jesus was moved with compassion. He had healed those who needed heal in their bodies, in their bruised and their hurt lives. And he saw all those people and his heart broke. He was moved with compassion, seeing all those lost sheep, seeing them wandering aimlessly. That's where I was before I was diagnosed with cancer. And the weird thing was I didn't know it. How many of you have seen people out there who are busy they're working, they're, they're taking care of their families, they're taking care of their jobs, they're, they're busy, but they're wandering aimlessly, and they don't even know it. That's what Jesus was seeing. He was seeing those people wandering so aimlessly, and his heart was breaking for them. When I was diagnosed with cancer, that's exactly where I was. I was so busy, my life was packed full, and all of a sudden, everything stopped. Nine years ago today was probably the worst day of my life. I was diagnosed with stage four cancer on February 13th. And on February 14th, I got up in the morning consumed with fear, with a blanket of oppression that covered me like there is no words to describe. And I got on a plane to go visit my parents because I had already scheduled this weekend away and my husband got on a different plane to go visit his mom and his dad, who just had a very serious stroke. Now, for those of you who know my husband and I, we're never apart. 
I have an amazing husband. And so here I had just been diagnosed with cancer. And we went two separate ways. And I was so alone. And I was so afraid. And I was so consumed with <coughs> the enemy's lie and the enemy's fear that there were no words to describe it. That was February 13th. That was February 14th that day, nine years ago today. And I sat in that airport, I had a long layover, and I remember just the um, immense heaviness, the immense burden. Got to my, my, my destination, which was Gulf Shores. Should have been a really nice vacation. I remember walking that beach on the Gulf and talking to God, a distant God, because I didn't know him, I wasn't safe. A distant God, and I didn't know how to pray. I was praying, God, if it be your will, if it be your will, heal me. I was praying to everybody and their brother, literally, not God. I did talk to God, but I talked to Grandma, who was in heaven. I talked to Mary, who was in heaven, you know, the Virgin Mary. I talked talk to all sorts of people. I didn't know any better, and I have so much fear in me, I can't even tell you. But I have a friend, amazing friend sitting right by me. And on February the 19th, which was Saturday after that, six days later after I got that diagnosis, she introduced me to Jesus. This girl was 25 years old, and I was 43 years old. She was a second or third year teacher in my school, and I was a learning consultant. I was in a kind of administrative position, and that girl listened to the Holy Ghost and she came and talked to me, and she told me about Jesus. She told me some truths that I didn't know. She told me, Cindy, God didn't do this to you. She said it was the enemy. She told me that Jesus paid the price for my salvation and for my healing and for my eternal life and for the forgiveness of sins, that it was all a package. And she asked me if I was saved. I didn't know what that was, but I was offended whenever anybody asked me about being saved because I was Catholic. I was good. You know, I, that, that was my answer. They asked me if I was saved. I said, yes, I'm Catholic. <laughs> so Jenny said, she didn't, she didn't argue with me. She said, do you want to be sure? What a great line. <laughs> what a great line. And then she took her Bible that she had in her desk at school and she opened it up to Romans 10, and she said, here, read this. Read it out loud. And so she gave me the Bible to read, which I never had read. And she showed me what God's word said. She showed me that, yes, Cindy, you might believe that in your heart, but the Bible says, you not, God says, you need to believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then she prayed with me the prayer of salvation. February 19th, 2002. That was by far the best gift that anybody has ever given to me. And whoever was talking earlier, the girl who was, um, was healed recently of her leg, and you were saying, Jerry prayed for you. I know exactly what you mean. It was God, but my Jenny was my savior at that moment. Jesus saved me, but if Jenny hadn't led me to him, I wouldn't be here today. I guarantee you that. So... She led me to the Lord. 
Well, and I'm going to take my story and I'm going to condense it really, really, really quickly because I have so much to share with you. I was diagnosed with stage four cancer through, uh, uh, I had a mole, it was melanoma, I had a mole that um, was also in my uh, lymph node, the melanoma was in my lymph node in that vicinity. Within three or four weeks, uh, they did a series of tests and they found that through a CAT scan that the lymph nodes all through my whole, my whole um, body were enlarged. And then they did a PET scan and the PET scan showed cancer activity in all of those lymph nodes. That's when it was stage four. Within six months, a whole lot happened because she led me to the Lord, because she started directing me and giving me, giving me directions to take. She showed me how to pray the word of God. She told me how to take God's word and start speaking it out loud. His word is alive. His word is powerful. She started bringing me to, to a church that taught the truth. Now, I was covering all my bases. I was going to my Catholic church on Saturday. I was going to this Life Christian Church on Sunday, where I am now a very active member. Life Christian Church on Sunday and hearing, hearing a new truth that I had never heard before. I was being fed. She said, Cindy, spend time with God every day. She said, read the Bible and pray. So I started something I'd never done before. I started reading my Bible. I started talking to God. I started developing a relationship with God. And quickly, quickly the compassion of Christ, the moving of Jesus in my life started to be so visible. The first thing that happened was that that oppression lifted. The oppression that was complete blanket of darkness that was over me lifted. And I had that precious peace that passes all understanding, that amazing peace where it doesn't even make sense. I had this awful diagnosis, and in the midst of it, I was walking in peace. Within one month, I started having inconclusive diagnosis. I started going to the doctor, and they were starting to be confused because they weren't seeing what they expected to see. The final biopsies to check those lymph nodes were inconclusive. Within a, a month or two after that, Again, the way that God gave me divine interventions, divine delays, I loved those. I didn't, I didn't want at that time to, to know the result right then, what the doctor said, because I needed time. I had a new God. I had a new relationship. I wanted to have time to be fed his word and to grow up and to come to know him. And that's exactly what God gave me. Every time there would be a delay where I had to wait for another appointment and wait for another result and wait for another appointment and wait for another result, I'd say, thank you, God. I need time. Thank you, God. And I sought him with all of my heart. Within six months, I had an exploratory surgery. Six months after the original diagnosis. Now, that's not the way it usually works when you've been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. They're usually in there the next day, the next week. They don't usually wait. Again, it was divine delays, and I'm not going to go into details there. But at the end of the six months, I had an exploratory surgery, and there was no cancer in my body. Praise God. Praise, 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 praise Him. I'm deciding how much I want to tell you because I've got so much to share. I'm going to tell you just the next little piece. 
And that is that after I had that exploratory surgery, I went back to my oncologist and he said, okay, now we're gonna treat it like, we're gonna treat this like stage three cancer instead of stage four. And we're gonna do this lymph node dissection because I had cancer in one of my lymph nodes through a finding a biopsy and all of the rest that they looked in were, were okay. So um, they decided they were gonna treat it like stage three and I, I put on my brakes and I said, oh no, oh no, there's no cancer there. This is what we'll do. I'll let you take out that one lymph node, not the whole section of lymph nodes. Take a look at it, do a frozen biopsy. If it's negative, stop, which I knew it would be. If it's positive, do what you wanted to do. The doctor fully was, the doctor was fully persuaded there was cancer. Cindy was fully persuaded that there wasn't. God, God's word is true. God's word is true. There was no cancer in that lymph node either. Praise God. So one month after I had the original surgery, I had the second surgery. That lymph node cancer was not there anymore. It was gone. I was completely healed, completely made whole. That was nine years ago. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He's amazing. He is so amazing. Now, that was only the tip of the iceberg. That was only the tip of the iceberg. What I didn't know then is that that was healing. My body was absolutely amazing. When I, when I was meditating today and praying and talking to God, I was overcome, overwhelmed with the healing. But my life has changed because I've fallen in love with Jesus. I now know my healer, not just the healing. I know my healer. I know his love. I know his compassion. And over all of these years, as I've been feeding on his word and praying and praising, he's just such a part of my life. Such an ama amazing, immense part of my life. Shortly after I, um, after I was healed, people started coming and asking me and wanting to talk about what happened to me. So every chance I got, I was declaring the works of the Lord and sharing his word and telling people what he had done to me. And within a few uh, months after that, I was led to write a book. And the book is a testimonial book about my journey. It's called A Blessed Journey. And it talks about my testimony and God's word, God's truth, God's direction that he had given me. I put it in that book and, I, and it started going out. And again, I'm simply in awe of what God has done through that book. I'm simply in awe. When I was writing it, my prayer was simply, God, show me how to simply tell what your word says, how to simply give your promises to show people your love. And that's what is in there. When people read it, that's exactly the response that we get. They say, it just so spoke to me. It so ministered to me. His word is for everybody. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. That's his word. That's his promise. And it's not just for Cindy. It's for everybody. I'm going to share a bunch of testimonies tonight about Jesus and about his compassion and about his amazing, amazing love. But before I do, I want to encourage you. Because this is a prophetic word. As I share testimonies, as I share what God did in my life, as I share some of these testimonies that I'm going to share, it's a prophetic word. In Revelations 19.10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as we share testimonies, we are prophetically encouraging others. We are prophetically encouraging others to have the same results. As we share testimonies, it's giving revelation of God's goodness. So that's what I'm just praying. My prayer is that the heart of God, the compassion of God, the love of God will be revealed as I share these testimonies. Jesus has compassion to save. Jesus has compassion to heal. Listen to the scripture. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O son of David. Then the multitude warned, warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. This is in Luke chapter 7. Now it happened the day after that that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus presented him to his mother. Jesus was moved with compassion when this mother was so grieving the loss of her son. He was moved to compassion. And that boy was raised from the dead. First testimony I want to share is about a mother who lost a son. Her name's Sherry. This mother um, had had a daughter, and then she got pregnant again, and the son was stillborn. That was, um, let me get my, my dates right because it makes a difference. That was in 2005. 2006, she had another daughter. The daughter's name is Faith. Later in that same year, in 2006, she became pregnant again. She miscarried on December the 19th. My book, A Blessed Journey, came out in December of 2006. A friend gave her a copy of that book. Didn't know that she had any problem with the pregnancy. The book arrived at her house, came in the mail. It arrived on December 19th, the same day that she lost the second boy. She took that book and she read it, and she read it straight through. God's word ministered to her. God's promise. God's promise. His, his, the testimony was prophetic to her, and she took hold of that word. She read that book straight through the night. As she read it, she was baptized with the Holy Spirit. She received that precious gift of the infilling. And instead of having that devastation of having lost the baby, she was filled with peace. The same night that she had the miscarriage, she was filled with comfort. She was filled with this peace that passes all understanding. The next month, she went to the doctor, and she was pregnant. She had gotten pregnant one week after the miscarriage. 
That is physically impossible according to the doctors, but not according to Jesus. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. Her son, Noah, was born in September of 2007. Just like Jesus had compassion on that mother and touched that little boy and raised him from the dead, he had compassion on Sherry. And within one week after that miscarriage, she was pregnant and gave birth to a healthy son. That's our God. Another testimony of healing, a woman named Penny. This woman was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer in June of 2007. Uh, she had uh, surgery and it was followed by chemotherapy, but she couldn't, this particular person couldn't take chemotherapy. She had a severe allergic reaction to it, so she stopped taking it. After she stopped taking the chemo, um, she found another lump in her breast and it was also diagnosed with cancer. And she started having symptoms in her body in other areas and they did more tests and they found she had cancer in her liver. And uh, she had two different very good hospitals, the U of M and Carmanos, both concur that she had stage four metastatic breast cancer and it was incurable. Bad report. Good report. Yeah. Somebody gave her, again, a copy of A Blessed Journey, and she read it, and her hope was ignited. She started a renewed relationship with God. She knew Jesus, but for whatever reason, she was putting her faith in the doctors. She turned her heart to Jesus. She put her faith in God. She started pursuing God with all her heart. She started seeking the truth. She started applying the truth. She's healed. She is completely healed. That was in 2007. She was healed completely without any chemo, without any other medical intervention. The really interesting thing about this person is that she works at the U of M. And after she received her healing, of course, when you're in the medical field, it's a lot different because you know a lot of the medical stuff. So she knew a lot, and so did all of her coworkers. And she took her doctor's report in. She had a PET scan that showed no cancer. She had a biopsy of her liver that showed no cancer. In fact, that diagnosis was completely changed. It changed from cancer to a different diagnosis that was completely, it, there was no way that it will ever be cancer. And when she went in with her doctor's report and showed her coworkers, they were completely completely in awe. And she said they all joined together. They all made a circle and joined their hands together and prayed and praised our God together. Isn't that good? That's our God. That's our amazing God. And now, guess what Penny does all the time? Penny is telling, she works in the hospital. She has a, she has a good uh, area to go out and give God's word away. And that's what she does. She's always telling people about the word of God. We sent her stacks of cards about our illness recovery. We sent her stacks of cards with information about the book that we have to give to people to help them to receive the same thing that she received. Another testimony. Tonight there was a word of knowledge that went out about a heart, a physical heart issue. This is a man who is 60 years old today. 10 years ago, he had his first heart attack. At that time, they did a procedure like they often do, with the, with the process of catheterization, stints, ballooning, whatever. I call them tune-ups. 
He had a tune-up on his heart. And the doctor at that time said, you know what? It took you 50 years to get to this point. It'll be a long time before you have to worry about this again. But it, it wasn't a long time. At two and a half years later, he had to have another procedure. And then two years later. And then one and a half years later. And then one year later. And then six months later. He had a total of eight of those procedures. And it kept, they kept getting more and more frequent. For some reason, his body was producing that plaque at a very, very fast pace. Until, until he learned the truth. In March of 2009, Pastor Tracy got a hold of him. Those of you know who Pastor Tracy, she's one of the pastors at our church. And this particular man goes to Lifetime Fitness, and so does she. And she told him, she says, Mark, you need to get to this healing class. You need to get to illness recovery. So he started coming to our illness recovery class. And I got to read you some of his words because they're really cute. He's learned how not to take ownership. He learned how to trust God. And things changed. He was due for another procedure in June of 2009. He went in for that doctor's appointment. It was postponed. He went in three months later. It was postponed again. He went in three months later. This is a now a year and a half after his previous procedure. And the doctor said, I can't find anything wrong with you. Yeah, good news, right? So on his 60th birthday, which was last year, he went on a six-week ski trip out west. He did extreme skiing, 10,000 feet altitudes, with no problems. And this is what he said. He said, I've always known and loved God. He's talking about our illness recovery. He said, but you have lifted me up to a new level. And now he smiles, and he tells his friends, this God stuff works. You should try it. <laughs> Praise God. He's in the business of healing. He's in the business of healing. So Jesus has compassion to save. Jesus has compassion to heal. Jesus has compassion to teach. Listen to this. This is Mark 6, starting with verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved by compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus was a master teacher. Jesus was teaching everywhere he went. He taught the word. He preached and he healed. He preached, he taught, he healed, he cast out demons. He preached, he taught, he healed, and he cast out demons. But he taught them. He taught them. He knew that we needed a teacher. He is, he is our wonderful example. There's a scripture at the end of the book of Mark that has just really touched me a lot. It's Mark 16, 20. And it says, it's right after the Great Commission, right after Jesus talked to the apostles, and he said, go, go, go out, preach the word, lay hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. Right after he did that, he said, this is what they did. And they went out, and they preached everywhere, while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. 
He's still doing that today. We're still his hands. We're still his heart. We're still his mouth. We're still his voice. And as we give out the precious promises of God and share his truth and people receive them, that's what's happening. We're seeing people change before our eyes. This woman is named Teresa. Teresa was diagnosed with um, uterine, I'm sorry, ovarian cancer in December of 2008. In March, somebody gave her a copy of A Blessed Journey, and in April, she started attending our healing class. So she went from December until April, and then she started attending this class. She told me, I, I just developed this wonderful friendship with her. She's just a precious woman. She told me that before this season of her life, she did know Jesus, but she was in this, what she calls, middle ground. And she said that she would go back and forth. When she needed him, gosh, we always need him. But when she felt she needed him, that's when she would go to him, when she was having a crisis in her life. And at other times, she was too busy. You know, the busyness of her life got in the way. Well, she really needed him during this season, so she sought him with all her heart. And she found him, and she had an amazing healing. This is what she told me. She said that her heart was connected with the heart of her Savior, and she fell head over heels in love with him. So in the process, in the process, and we see this all the time, this is my favorite part of our ministry. I love seeing the healing. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I just am overjoyed with the healings. But what touches my heart so deeply is to see the lives change, to see the people fall in love with Jesus, to see the new new depth of their, of their relationship with him. And that's what happened with this woman. Well, after she had her good report, that was about two years ago, or a year and a half ago, um, several months later, six to 12 months later, she had a recurrence. And she went through um, uh, the whole process a second time. But she said it was completely different. Because the first time, she didn't know what she knew the second time. The second time she went through it, she went through it with faith and with focus. Turning to her Jesus, knowing his peace, knowing the end of the story, knowing the promises, with an amazing strength, with an amazing faith, and got an awesome report. She is now, once again, finalized forever, in Jesus' name, whole and healed. Hallelujah. Praise our God. Praise our God. This woman, um, her name is Jerry. Jerry was diagnosed. It happened, it just coincidentally, it, a lot of people that come to our meetings have cancer, probably because that's what I was healed of. We have seen many healings of many different diseases, but a lot of cancer, a lot of healings of cancer. This woman was diagnosed with uh, neuroendocrine cancer, and it, it was also in 2008, I think. Let me look. And she got a really bad report. It was in October of 2008. The doctors told her it was incurable, inoperable, and not treatable. Bad doctor's report. Incurable, inoperable, not treatable. And that report was confirmed through three oncologists and two oncology surgeons. They offered her no medical hope whatsoever. 
a friend from this area, she lives in Kansas, Kentucky. I always get it wrong. She lives in Kentucky. And a friend from Kensington Church sent her my book. She got it on the weekend. She read it on the weekend. And on Wednesday, her and her husband drove to Michigan. And they came to our class once. We met them. We prayed with them. We talked with them. Our pastor happened to be there at that meeting, Pastor Marie. She prayed with them, and she talked to them. And they drove back to, to Kentucky with a newfound hope. She started feeding on the Word of God. She started taking in His truths. She started blossoming, developing this amazing relationship with God. In January, they wanted to do another scan. She was uh, diagnosed in October. They wanted to do a scan in January. Now, they did no treatment. They offered the doctors, the medical staff, offered no treatment. In January, when they wanted to do a scan, she said, no, thank you. You're not doing anything for me anyway. I'm, I know my God is taking good care of me. I know that I'm, I'm healed in the name of Jesus, so I don't need your test. And she continued to seek God and to pray his word, to stand strong. And in, my, in March, April, in the spring anyway, she decided, okay, now I'm going to have that scan. It was in May. She went and had the scan that they wanted her to have, and she got a bad report. The report showed multiple tumors in her abdomen. It showed spots in three lobes of her lungs, and it showed a shadow on her liver. Bad report. She called me the next day, and this is what she said. She said, Cindy, I have more faith now than I've had. She said, it's like something just raised up in me. I am so strong now. The faith that I had before is weak compared to what I have now. Why? Why would she have all that faith after that terrible report? She wasn't moved. She had been feeding on the word of God. She had been declaring the word of God. She had been being built up in the most holy faith. She had been seeking God with all of her heart. She had this amazing relationship with the compassionate Christ. One month after that, in June, she went and had a two, an intensive two-day scan. When she went in for the results of that scan, the doctor was sitting in his office, and she went in for the consultation, and he looked at her and he said, I don't understand it. I don't get it. All of those biopsies were positive, and now they're gone. There is no cancer in your body. My God, the compassion of Christ. He is moved by compassion to save. He is moved by compassion to heal. He is moved by compassion to teach. Now, this has been years later, she is completely whole, she is completely healthy, she is sharing her testimony every chance she gets, and this is what else she's doing. I'm going to read from her email to me. Neuroendocrine cancer is so rare that there's very little research on it. Dr. Simone is in charge of a new research program at the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center for this disease. 
He asked me if I would be the patient educator coordinator for the clinic. It would be setting up support groups for patients and scheduling educational programs for patients. He said that I am very upbeat and positive, and he thinks I would be perfect for this. Can you imagine the opportunity to reach people and tell them what you told me, that it is not God's will for us to be sick? That makes me excited. I, of course, said yes. I told him that is exactly where I think God is leading me. Our God is so awesome. So now she's out sharing the word. Penny's at U of M Hospital, telling everybody and their brother. Jerry's at this University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center, telling everybody about our wonderful Jesus. Isn't that good news? Yes. Okay. A couple more testimonies. Our Jesus has compassion in so many ways. He is moved by compassion, and it's his heart pouring out his love for each one of us. One of the things he does through this compassionate heart is to encourage us to love us unconditionally, to forgive us, and to hold us and carry us through anything that we're going through. I'm going to read one more scripture, and then I'm going to share the rest of my testimony. This is Luke chapter 15. This is the the, uh, parable of the prodigal son. The father, when the son was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But that father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. That's our Father. That's the love of our Father. Completely unconditional, no matter what, no matter where we've been, no matter where we are, no matter where we're going. He is completely filled with compassion, completely there to take us back into his fold, into his arms, always there to encourage, always there to love us unconditionally. The rest of my testimony is, again, going back to my my own story. Um, I've told you lots and lots of healings about of cancer, healings of heart disease, healings, I could go on and on, healings of seizures, disorders, healing of, of, of migraine headaches, many, many, many healings. But we haven't seen everybody receive their healing. I'll tell you what we are 100% on, though. We're 100% people knowing the compassion of Jesus. People knowing Jesus personally. People having a relationship with him that has changed their lives completely, 100%. It's awesome. That's the best miracle of all. By far. By far. But one of the things God has done for me that I am in awe of, and that is when we have had somebody that that hasn't received their physical healing in his past. God has given Ken and I an encouragement that is supernatural. 
absolutely supernatural. My cousin um, was exactly my age and was diagnosed with brain cancer. And when she was diagnosed, she told my family, she said, I don't want to hear any of Cindy's miracle full, and I won't finish the comment. And she didn't, she wasn't, she wasn't open. But I had the stupid fear of man, and I learned through that experience not to have that fear because the Holy Spirit will do this thing. It doesn't matter what people, you know, because you know what, she never told me that. Other people told me that she said that. And I had a fear. I had a huge fear. And I didn't, I, I approached her through writing. I sent her cards. I, you know, I talked to her a couple times, but I never really took that step out to minister to her until she was like a week before she died. And, um, oh my goodness, that was the hardest phone call I ever made about a week before she died. And I led her to Jesus. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. It's awesome. So I got this phone call. I was in school, and my phone rang, and I answered it, and it was somebody from my family calling me to tell me that my, my cousin had died. And I was standing in my room and just brokenhearted. And um, as soon as I got off the phone, I hardly ever answer my cell phone in school, do I, Jenny? I just don't answer it, and I happened to answer it that day. I still had my phone in my hand, and there were two parents walking. I'm a teacher, and two parents walked into my classroom put my phone down to go see what they needed, and they were there, not for a school reason, they were there because they knew about our healing ministry, and they wanted a copy of my book to give to a, one of their friends who had cancer. That was God telling me, Cindy, you go. Go, girl. You go take this message out to my people. This is the truth. You go. You go share it. And he's done that over and over and over again. We had another instance just a couple months ago where one of my dear friends that I had been ministering to for a long time passed away. And I was in my study, took the call, phone was still in my hand, Kent came into the room and he saw that I was visibly upset. And, um, and he came over, you know, talked to me and, and the phone rang and I thought it was somebody else about the same woman. And I answered the phone and it was another person we were ministering to telling me that her son, who had been diagnosed with juvenile diabetes, was no longer Lord. diabetic. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And again, God was saying to me, Cindy, I'm a healer. I'll show you. Don't you get discouraged, girl. I'm the healer. Trust in me. You know, we can't look at what we see in the, in the natural. We don't know everything. I don't know everything, and I don't plan on knowing everything. But I know one thing. I know that my God is a healer. I know that he already paid the price for healing. It is complete. It is finished. Like I said, we've lost a few people. And as we have, God put a burden on my heart. That the message that he has given us to share, we've been sharing, believe me, every chance we get but there's more. There's more. And he put a burden on my heart to write another book. And the book that he put on my heart to write is about keeping your healing. <laughs> That's an important thing, right? So he put this on my heart. And it was not this past December, but the December before. Actually, it was before that, but that's when I said yes to him. It was at Christmas time, and I said, okay, God, okay, okay, I hear you. I said yes. 
January. This is a year ago now. This is February, so it was a year ago January. I went in for my regular checkup, and I had a mass in my throat. And um, if you've read my book, you know that when I was originally diagnosed with melanoma, the lymph nodes that they had found the cancer in were in my abdomen, in my groin, and in my throat. So I had a lump in my throat. And um, that's, isn't that the enemy? Isn't that the enemy? Here I told God, okay, I'm going to write a book about keeping your healing. And then the very next month, the doctor finds a lump in my throat. So I, I spent about three months doing exactly what I know what to do. Praying God's word, praising God, kicking that fear out every chance I got. But I couldn't do it on my own. I called Jenny and we'd go, she'd say, come over and we'd praise God and pray. And she'd pray with me and my husband would pray with me. Got the enemy out of there. I continued to teach every single week. I continued to give God's word away and minister to people every chance I got. Three months later, I finally said, okay, I, ha I need to go to the doctor and do whatever they want to do as far as finding out what this is. So I went through a series of tests. Um, the tests were, again, they didn't show me anything, what the doctors expected it to, to show. So I ended up having the mass removed, and that was in June. I stood on the Word of God. I remember I would literally walk around my house with my Bible, and I'd say, I have the report. I have God's report right here. I have God's report. I know that this is the end of the story. I don't care what the, what's going on in here. God's got me covered. I am healed in Jesus' name. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm going to stay healed. I'm going to walk and declare his, his word with every breath that I breathe. Healed. I'm not going to do it sick. I can't glorify God. Sick, I can glorify God. Healed. So I went and I had that surgery, and it wasn't cancer. It wasn't anything dangerous. It's out of there now. It's gone. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The enemy wants to stop us. The enemy wants to get in the way. Don't let him. Don't let him. Then the last hurdle that I just gotten over is um, after I had that surgery, my voice was really very weak. And uh, I had the surgery on a Friday. The very next Wednesday, I was teaching. I was teaching with a microphone, <laughs> with a very soft, puny voice. But I was teaching, and I was not going to let the devil have his way. It's like, oh, no. Oh, no, you're not stopping me. And I continued to teach, continued to teach, continued to teach. But my singing voice was completely gone. And Darcel, you know what it's like not to be able to praise God with your voice? I love to praise God. I love to worship. I love to just give my voice to him. And I would open my mouth, and I sounded like a helium balloon. Honest to God. If I tried to sing, I sounded like when you were a little kid and you sucked helium into your voice and tried to sing. That it was it was really really awful. And I um, stood on the word, and I stood on the word. The doctor said, you know, it could be as as long as three months. Three months later, I still couldn't sing. No voice. 
four months later, five months later, six months later. Continue to stand on that word. Continue to stand on his precious word about healing. Ralph, my friend, gave me this beautiful scripture. It's in Jeremiah, and I don't have it with me, but it talks specifically about raising your voice to the Lord and singing. And he says, I will build and rebuild you. That's what the scripture says. I will build and rebuild your voice, Cindy, and you will again dance with tambourines and sing praises unto God. We were at, in Florida at Christmas time, and uh, we were playing a family game, and, um, you know, we, I was getting excited, and I started, my voice, I had zero um, falsetto, zero the high part of my voice, and I started just getting excited and, and like I used to, and all of a sudden something came out that had never come out in six months. It was like, Kent, did you hear that? Kent, did you hear that? And, and now my voice is almost completely 100% bad. So praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What is his will for us? Wholeness, healing in every area of our life. Wholeness in our minds. Wholeness in our bodies. Wholeness in our relationships. Wholeness in every single area of our lives. That's his will. I know it. I've lived it. I've received it. The precious compassion of Jesus. The compassion to teach. The compassion to love us. The compassion to encourage us. The compassion to heal. The compassion to save. The compassion to love. Tonight, my prayer my prayer for all of us, no matter where we're at in our walk with God, my prayer for all of us is to know that compassion and that love of Christ in a better way, in a deeper way, in a higher way than we ever have before. Would you please all stand up? Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Just, I know that it's late. I know that it's been a long Valentine's Day and tomorrow's another day to go to work. But right now, we're here, and Jesus is here, and his love is here, and his compassion is here. And I expect, I fully expect that that compassion is here to move, just like he has moved in his Bible, in his word, just like he's moved in so many people, just like he's moved past, present, and he will continue to move. So let's pray together. Abba Father, we come before you right now, and we just rejoice in you and in who you are. We rejoice in your love. We rejoice in your compassion. We rejoice that you are our God and we are your children. And Father, right now, on this day that we call Valentine's Day, we receive your love. Would you say that with me? I receive your love, Father. I receive your love, Father. I am the apple of your eye. You love me. You love me so much. And I receive it. And I love you. Thank you, Father, for this day. We receive all that you have for us. We receive your compassion to save. We receive your compassion to restore. We receive your compassion to heal. We receive your compassion to, to encourage. We receive your compassion to love. Thank you, Father. 
And we ask this and we receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.